The In Our Eyes podcast acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the lands on which this podcast is recorded, and we pay our respects to the elders past, present and future. Welcome to the In Our Eyes podcast, a podcast created by the Deakin Optometry alumni team for our fellow alumni and students. In each episode, we will be talking to a different individual about their optometry smarts, career and experiences, hence the title In Our Eyes. If there are any topics you'd like to hear us cover or have any questions, please head on over to our Instagram, Facebook or LinkedIn and send us your thoughts. Also, as a great bonus, all of these episodes can be logged as CPD. For a reminder on how to manually enter this into your learning plan, you can find an explainer on our Instagram stories. This is a series we call Pathways in Optometry, where we talk to different alumni about their experiences in business, research and more. Now, let's kick off. everyone and welcome to this next episode of the In Our Eyes podcast. Today we're talking to James Mitchell who's a Deakin Optometry graduate from 2019. He's worked in southwestern Victoria since he graduated and recently returned from a six-month stint working in Perth in WA. James is really passionate about getting involved in the outreach programs that are available and service in different parts of the community in the southwestern Victoria region including work through R-Wave and the Glasses for Kids program. And I'm Amanda Edgar, a third-generation Australian who is working, living and playing on Wadawan country. My name is Madeline Baker and I am a third-generation Australian who appreciates living, working and playing on Wadawan country. Okay, so James, can you tell us uh, a bit about your background and where did you start out as an optometrist? Uh, so my background is I grew up and went to high school in Warrnambool in southwest Victoria. Once I finished up at high school, I did a year of health science at the Warrnambool campus at Deakin, uh, and then after that moved to Geelong to start the optometry course in 2016. Uh, when it got to my final year's placement, I was actually able to do my whole six months with Penryuts and Optometrist in Warrnambool, and then I was lucky enough when I did graduate that I was able to start working there straight away. So that, that really helped being able to, to start my career in, in a familiar place where I'd already spent that, that six months. And my, uh, my boss, Simon, was actually, he's a fantastic mentor and teacher. So he made it really easy for me to, to start out and feel comfortable. And also, obviously, being around that familiar setting with, you know, family and friends and all the sport teams that I had growing up um, definitely made it a, an easy transition to, to start out as an optometrist. There's a strong sense of community there in that town, isn't there, James? Yeah, there is a really strong sense of community in Warrnambool. Uh, it's a very friendly place to be. It's it's not a tiny town, but it does have that small town sort of community feel. One of those places where, you know, even if you're walking around the supermarket or down the street, everyone will always say day and give you a wave. A lot of lovely beaches around and a very laid back lifestyle, even if it is perhaps a, a little cold. Um, and I've often said a lot of people that grow up here do end up coming back at some stage, even if it is just for a few years to work. And I feel like that does go to show that, that strong sense of community that, that is in the town. Yeah, it's such a nice place to live in, James. And you've just come back from Perth, so I suppose it's quite a contrast from living in Perth compared to 
Warnable down in southwestern Victoria. There is definitely contrast coming from Perth and moving back to Warrnambool, although I did find Perth to be a very laid-back city, a very easy place to live, uh, but there's always that nice feeling coming back home to that to that community where you grew up. Uh, it's also a little bit more hands-on clinically working in Warrnambool as well, a lot less likely to sort of refer on. Often with the trickier cases in Perth, you would be more inclined to refer to a specialist, where oftentimes in Warrnambool, you know, there's not as many ophthalmologists around, so you are a lot more likely to, to take on some of those trickier cases yourself as well. I'll let you ask the next question, Maddie. No worries. Um, so what are some of the experiences that you have had as an optometrist? I've been really fortunate to have a few different experiences early on as an optometrist. The last few years, I've actually been able to work alongside an ophthalmologist twice a fortnight at our practice, which has been fantastic just for all the, the different experience and knowledge you can pick up from being in that different kind of setting. I was also able to get out and do some school screenings through the Glasses for Kids program. I've always had an interest in paediatrics and binocular vision, and so being able to do those, those school screenings was a really good experience for me. Uh, and definitely led my decision to go to Perth and work at a behavioural optometrist there for, for the last six months. And then I suppose one of the main ones, I was lucky enough to be able to start an outreach program when I did start working in Warrnambool, uh, and that grew very quickly to a range of different settings, uh, mainly Aboriginal health clinics and community centres, but also gave me the opportunity to go out and do nursing home visits and basically be able to provide care to people that you know, might not have been able to access it otherwise. And when you say there is a couple of centres involved, so around the Warrnambool region, there's a few Aboriginal health centres um, that you can deliver care at. Yeah, so there's four different Aboriginal centres around the Warrnambool region that I visit currently. Um, there's the original one, which is Windermara Health Service in Haywood. There's also the Gunditjmara Health Clinic in Warrnambool, Kiro Health Services in Pernham, and the DWEC Indigenous Health Centre in Portland. And so I, I go out and visit each of those centres once a month. Yeah, that sounds great. I've been out to those centres before too, James, and it's a great experience to to be involved in. It is a really great experience to be involved in. It's certainly different to practising out of a normal clinic. Uh, a lot of different equipment and, you know, the, the different practice software at each of the different centres takes a little bit of getting used to. But the, the staff in the community are amazing. Uh, they're really welcoming. They give you a lot of support always there to help out in any way they can. And, you know, one of the highlights of going out to those different centres is just that community feeling. You know, you go out to a location and they, they throw a big community lunch, all the families are there, all the practitioners are there, and they, they really just embrace you as part of the community, which is definitely one of the, the coolest parts of, of doing that work. Do they help with coordination of the clinic? They definitely help with the coordination of the clinics. There's not much of a focus on the admin side of things for me. The staff at each of the health centres are all, all over that, you know, booking patients, organising transport, collecting any payment for any glasses that might be purchased. So that makes it really easy for me to just turn up and, I guess, focus on the optometry side of things. Yeah, that's great because sometimes do they have other healthcare practitioners come out as well? Yeah, so there are other healthcare practitioners that come out to the different centres. A lot of the clinics have permanent GPs there that are working full-time and that's been one of the really cool things is actually getting to work alongside a few of the GPs and sort of have that communication. And then there are visiting, you know, podiatrists, physios, speech therapists, all sorts of different healthcare specialists as well. So I can imagine some of our listeners haven't worked in that setting before. So 
if you saw a patient, would they likely have their GP within the centre as well? Yeah, most of the time at the community health centres, the patients you see, their GP will be from that same clinic, which does really help with the communication and just being able to provide holistic care. Often enough, if a GP has a, a diabetic patient or a patient that they've got any concerns with, they're able to send them down the corridor to see me that day, um, which makes it a really smooth process. You know, you don't have to worry about the patient trying to come back and organise another lot of transport or anything like that. And then I've also been lucky enough to have some of the GPs actually sit in with me for some consults just because they wanted to know, you know, a little bit more about what optometry does and what services we're able to provide. And I feel like that, you know, if we can strengthen that relationship between us and the GPs, it's, it's going to do a lot for optometry in terms of, you know, potentially taking a load off some of the ophthalmologists here in the regional areas and just, you know, allowing that good communication and team care for each patient so that they're, they're getting the best from all of their healthcare providers. Wow, that's amazing. Compared to your general optometric setting in primary care, do you have the same access to equipment that you are general practice? It definitely varies in terms of access to equipment. Um, you're not likely to have, you know, your optos, OCT fields, topographers and things like that. Um, originally, when I started out, it was basically just whatever I could carry was the only equipment that I would have with me at each visit. But all the Aboriginal community health centres now actually have slit lamps and fundus cameras that have been provided through R-Wave. And that's made a massive difference in just being able to be more thorough. And then they've also been able to train up the local health workers to take the fundus photos when I'm not there so that when I do attend once a month, I can actually go through the previous photos and help screen them and, you know, see if anyone might need further care from there rather than having to attend just on the days that I'm available. How did you go about developing your skills for delivering this type of eye care? To be honest, it was a lot of learning on the job and just learning from experience. I find it's very easy to avoid something if you think it's going to be difficult or if you find it hard. So just sticking with things and, until I felt comfortable with them. Uh, I had a really good teacher and mentor, as I mentioned with Simon, when I first started out. He always encouraged me to, to keep those hands-on skills pretty pretty up to date, whether it be you know with a retinoscope or doing Perkins sonometry or using an ophthalmoscope rather than the slit lamp. And then I also found the school screenings that I did really helpful because, you you know, I'd often be seeing 30 or 40 kids per day. Uh, and by the time you've done that, you do start to get really comfortable with a retinoscope and, you know, what a different reflex will look like. So that gives you, gives you a lot of confidence as well. Um, the technology that we've got in our primary practice is fantastic, but it, it is really good to be able to feel confident that I can still provide the right care in outreach settings. Uh, and it's also... You know, provides a nice balance and change of pace for the work week too. Oh, that's that's incredible. And I think that's another aspect to it is, especially when you're going out to these different settings, being on your feet must be a really uh, important skill to develop. It does keep you on your toes, definitely. Some days there'll be a room change or, or no power or a chart's gone missing and you know, I have to adjust the distances and all that sort of thing. But yeah, a lot of that's part of the fun for me. I really enjoy that every day when I'm out there, it's it's something a little bit different. So what's something that you've learned through doing these type of experiences? You mentioned you had some on-country on training and some training with R-Wave as well for cultural awareness. I did my first lot of cultural safety training in Ballarat through R-Wave and then I've since sort of refreshed that every 12 months or so 
there's usually a Zoom option or an online option and they can be claimed as CPD points as well, which is really good. The best cultural training I had, I was actually lucky enough to have some local elders and rangers at some of the locations take me out on country and out to the old mission, which was a, a really powerful and rewarding experience just to be able to hear firsthand about some of their experiences and the way they have that connection to, to the country and their land. But yeah, I would highly recommend doing some cultural safety training for anybody, um, whether you're doing outreach work as such or not, as I, I feel it does set us up better to you know, have have that improved communication and, and a better understanding of the patients that are coming into our practice. Did it make you think about your own heritage as well? It definitely did. We had thought that there was some Indigenous heritage within our family, but we'd never really been able to confirm it as it had been lost through the generations. But my grandparents were originally from the Condor and Haywood area. So when I met a few of the elders out at Haywood, they were actually able to point me in the right direction to people who knew the family trees and the family names and did end up finding out that we have some Aboriginal heritage in Southwest Victoria in our family. So we then got to have a, a really special experience with one of the local elders that was actually a patient of mine. Um, he took myself and my mum and my sister out and showed us the land where our ancestors had lived and shared some stories and some photos with us. Um, basically gave us a big hug and said, welcome home, um, which was, it was a really emotional, powerful moment and um, very proud to have actually found that link to my, to my heritage as well. You should be and great that you could do that with your family as well and go out with them to have that experience and, and reconnect with that part of you, um, which is really powerful. Definitely an experience I'll never forget and, you know, one of the highlights of the last few years for me, just being able to, to learn about that connection to country and I'm very excited to keep learning more and, and looking into that, that side of our heritage as well. I mean, we're talking about outreach at the moment, but even in our primary practice, it's, it's super important to have, as we know, that cultural, responsive, culturally safe practice and approach to delivering care. And some ophthalmologists have been talking about how important it is for us to write on our referral letters if patients do identify as Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders. How do you find asking the question in practice to get that information? What's your approach? What tips could you give other practitioners? I find the easiest way to ask the question is just during the screening process at front of house, whether it's a form to fill out for new patients or just asking that question, you know, who's your GP, any pension or concession cards, are you of Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander origin? And, you know, you ask those questions and you can just add it straight to the patient file. Beyond that, we've actually got some posters from R-Wave at the front desk, uh, acknowledging the traditional owners of the land and saying, are you of Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander origin? There's one in my consulting room as well. So that can help to, to prompt patients also. But it is a really important question to ask and, and we shouldn't feel uncomfortable asking it during a consult. You know, you, you should ask every patient. It's nothing to do with someone's appearance or their name. Um, it's not prying or personal. It's really no different to asking about, you know, diabetes or family history or general health or anything like that. It's just a way of ensuring that we're providing the best care that we can for, for each individual patient. And then there are a lot of schemes and things that um, Aboriginal patients are able to access. So it, it is really important that we have that information so we can provide the best care possible. 
describing it as just part of our role as a practitioner really is something that we should. And I'm just going to talk about, you said R-Wave and some people might not know what R-Wave is. Do you, do you want to explain a little bit about what R-Wave is? So R-Wave is the Rural Workforce Agency Victoria. They provide support and activities to the health workforce in regional and Aboriginal communities. Um, all of the funding for my outreach program comes through R-Wave. All my reports go back to them after each visit, just with feedback or any potential improvements. And that's actually how we've been able to get, you know, increased funding for more visits or getting access to slit lamps and funders cameras and different things that can help us provide better care. So they are really helpful for anyone with an interest in outreach work or anyone who's thinking of getting started. They provide recruiting for health professionals and cultural safety training and all that sort of stuff on their website. And do you just go, like, do you go out by yourself or do you go out with other people from the practice too? Yeah, just me by myself in the car with whatever equipment I can carry. Uh, It's a really cool part of the experience, just being able to drive around the countryside and go to these different locations. It it is a really fun way of practising optometry. I suppose every day is is different for you. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favourite parts of the job. I feel like I'm never doing the same thing two days in a row. We've got our Warnable and Camperdown practices. We get to work with the ophthalmologist every couple of weeks. And then I've got that outreach work and nursing home visits and school screenings. So definitely keeps me on my toes, but it's really good fun doing something different each day. Our listeners would be wondering is if, you know, we were wanting to get involved in outreach, uh, what would you suggest is one of the best ways we can go about that? As I mentioned, R-Wave is probably the best place to start. They're, They're really easy to contact and there is definitely a need for healthcare providers in regional settings, so they can certainly point you in the right direction. Always a good idea to speak to your workplace and see if outreach work is something they'd be happy to work in as part of the practice and get behind. But even if not, there's that option to locum and do it privately yourself. Best thing to do is just ask questions, ask someone you know, ask someone that's done outreach work. Just jump in and get involved because it is well worth doing. Uh, I couldn't recommend it more, even if you only do it for a few visits or a once-off. It's a great experience and you can really make a difference to patients that they might not have been able to access that care otherwise. And James, well, you sound like you've got, you love your job. You've got the dream job, really. You're doing so much <laughs> diversity in practice. If, if there's some optometry students listening, you know what it's like. It's hard work, trimesters, not much break. What would you say to them? What would your message be? Just to hang in there, it is worth it. The course can definitely be a grind towards the end after all the trimesters and 8am quizzes and OSCEs and things like that. But once you do get out and start working, it it is really rewarding and fun. Uh, And there's a lot of scope to be able to make the job whatever you want it to be. So it is worth all the stress and study. So just stick through that last little bit. So... That's the show for today, folks. Thank you for joining us for this episode of In Our Eyes. We hope you enjoyed it. Also, a reminder that you can log this manually as CPD in your learning plan. For a refresher on how to do this, you can head over to our Instagram stories. Feel free to share this episode amongst your pals. Let us know your thoughts and reach out if you have any topics or questions for us. Or 
even if you have any guests you'd like us to have on. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is not an official Deakin University media production and is created by alumni. The views, comments and opinions expressed within this podcast are those held by individuals and are not associated or representative of Deakin University.